Welcome back to Like a Bigfoot Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Uh, this is episode 193. Um, for this episode, we are bringing back uh, Clark Beckham um, to the podcast. He's going to talk about his very first ultra marathon. He ran the Rocky Raccoon 50 miler a few months ago. And I got to say, it's an awesome, awesome episode, an awesome story. Um, I just love hearing about people's very first real like ultra endurance challenge because I feel like you learn so much in it uh, from from doing it and uh, I know for me my first 50k and my first 50 miler are incredibly memorable because these were uh, events where I truly was not sure I could finish that distance you know like when you do a distance that is further than anything you've ever done in your life there's that little seed of doubt um, that you have to battle for the whole entire day uh, which is really really cool and Clark's story does not disappoint it is incredibly entertaining there are ups there are downs there are laughs there are painful moments <laughs> it's uh it's pretty incredible um just a quick reminder if you had not listened to the first episode we did with Clark uh, it was basically after the Marine Corps Marathon this year. And Clark's story just in general was pretty inspiring because he decided about six months before the MCM uh, that he was going to run a marathon. And then he also decided that he was going to do an ultra marathon. Uh, after completing the 26.2 miles. Um, so that episode is number 173. That is all about his journey to the Marine Corps Marathon um, and how he really created success through his sheer grit and determination. Um, this is kind of a continuation of that. Uh, just from speaking with him and texting with him, um, his training <laughs> after the Marine Corps Marathon did not go great and we'll get into that in this episode but basically he did not have like a really incredible training block to prepare him for the 50 miler um he had all sorts of obstacles he had all sorts of reasons to quit and not show up to the start line but he decided that he was going to get it done no matter what and that is just so incredible to me and something that i draw a lot of motivation on because you know sometimes we sign up for these events and things get in the way and we have to figure out ways to to combat them or are we gonna are we gonna take the event on anyways even though we didn't get the best training and I just think that's that's super awesome um, Clark is also just an amazing musician amazing singer um, he was runner-up on American Idol uh, a few seasons ago he is absolutely incredible check out his music um and you will not be disappointed i promise you he is it's insane like i played uh his songs for my wife and she was like you're talking to this guy and i'm like yeah she's like oh my god he has a beautiful voice i'm like yeah i know <laughs> um and unfortunately, like a lot of things in the past month, his uh, spring tour was canceled. Um, but it's allowing him to explore kind of another area, a, a teaching area. So if you're interested in lessons from just an incredible musician, um, everything from 
you know, piano, guitar, voice, uh, even, a, you know, songwriting and arrangement theory uh, and career advice, uh, feel free to email him at BeckhamLessons at gmail.com. And I'm sure he would give you some more information there. And, you know, if that's something you're interested in, I think that's like an awesome, beautiful way to spend, you know, this extra time at home that um, a lot of us are finding finding that we have uh, learning a new skill, you know, or trying to get better at a skill where previously you might have put it off and and uh, not had time to do it. So. So, yeah, check that out. Beckham lessons at gmail.com. He's the I mean, you'll see in about 20 seconds when I stop the intro. He's like the nicest dude ever. And I promise you, you'll learn a lot from him. And he's just an awesome, wonderful dude. So uh, let's get into it, though, guys. Let's talk 50 milers. Let's talk ultra marathons. Let's talk blisters and chafing and all that fun stuff. Uh, this is Like a Bigfoot podcast number 193 with Clark Beckham. Welcome back to the show, man. I'm super excited to talk with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm excited to dive into this stuff yeah yeah well so uh, you know we we uh kind of got reconnected because you ran your first 50 miler your first ultra and yeah. you had kind of a like crazy road to get there so you know i guess where we last left off was after the marine corps marathon and you're right. you're preparing for this uh 50 miler the rocky raccoon and the wheels kind of fell off the bus, I guess. Uh, tell me if that's okay to say. Oh, well, the wheels like never made it onto the bus. It's like more of a better, like a better way to say it. Yeah, I was, yeah, it was, it was definitely a different experience in a marathon. Yeah, yeah. And I definitely want to get into that. But first I have to just point out, you're, we're doing this over Skype. You have the coolest like Skype background and it's exactly oh, what, what I want from a musician. Like you have a piano, great. like drums, guitars, things like that. Like it looks super cool. Yeah. And behind me yeah. is just like, I don't know, a bookshelf where we just throw random crap that we don't have other spots for. Oh, yeah. No, if, if the camera was just tilted a couple degrees to the left, it'd probably be the same stuff. <laughs> I just have selective um, camera viewing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Can you play all of those instruments? Like, not I'm not asking you to play them right now, but I mean, are you? Yeah, 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 yeah. I um, I record. I'll make demos and stuff. So I'll make like, um, I'll make songs and record them here. Um, so I'll play the piano and the drums and the bass and the guitar parts. They're not great, but I mean, like, I can play piano and guitar well, and then I can fake drums and bass enough to get by. Yeah, That's pretty much how. Yeah. Do you find the like the instruments that you're not great at yet? Do you find that it's more fun to do those? Cause you like see that learning you know? in a way, in a way, in a way, drums are my favorite instrument to play. Um, but piano wins a lot of the time because I'm think I'm, I think I'm the best at that. I have the yeah. most control in that. And then, and that's really fun. And then guitar, there's nothing like, playing a great guitar solo so i don't know they all like take turns but there is a a different uh experience with the like bass and drums the instruments that i'm not like super great at yeah yeah guitar solos 
are the greatest. Like I was just thinking about this when I was running today. I'm like, there's something about, and now cause I was thinking about talking with you too. I'm like, there's something about the power of music and the power of running and like moving your body that just makes you feel better. So I think I mentioned yesterday, like I was just in a funk, you know, I was grumpy. And as soon as I went outside and ran and listened to music, I'm like, oh yeah, I feel way better after one minute. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I have experienced that too, especially if you just, and this certainly is a, um, can work as an analogy, but as soon as you open the doors of your own house and see the world, like as soon as you kind of, your picture gets bigger, um, even literally as you just open the door and cause you're, you're like frame of, reference visually is kind of like whatever's right in front of you so right now it's just this computer screen yeah and then but when we go outside it's like boom we're just immersed in a 360 degree like uh landscape of like a portrait and then we get to run around in that and the air is nicer and cleaner and it's it's just yeah yeah I, i've that too for sure yeah and this morning i was just like i'm gonna leave my door and i'm gonna not run any route i've ever ran before i'm just gonna go exploring and there's something cool. about the freedom of choice there that i just thought was is just relaxing and i'm like oh i do i have <laughs> i have a little bit of control over this <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 for sure do you get that through music too or oh absolutely um a lot of times for me um for me, I'll 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 start playing music and all of a sudden I'll be like, oh shoot, it's been uh, three or four hours now. You know, I'll be like, oh gosh, I didn't even I didn't even realize that I've been I've been playing this long. But it's there's an amazing quote that I have like right here in my notes that I'm just gonna say um, about music. Yeah, and I think it it, it I think I think running could relate to this um it talks about uh here it is the kingdom of music is not the kingdom of this world it will accept those whom breeding and intellect and culture have alike rejected the commonplace person begins to play and shoots into the empyrean without effort while we look up marveling how he has escaped us that's amazing man em forster and i am that's exactly how it feels like that's exactly what happens is it doesn't matter that's one thing about music is it's a companion and it's like an an intimate friend that is there for you even when you don't deserve her even when you like haven't been good per se or if you slacked off if you just failed a major seven chord sounds and feels exactly the same no matter what and it still sounds good whether you're in a good place or not like it's just there for you yeah you know yeah man well i know for me like i've in rough times in life i've had go-to songs that i just put on and there's something also like this is so cheesy man (laughs) but rolling down (laughs) my windows driving just cranking those tunes like you just oh, yeah. it just feels right there's no other way to describe it you're just like this just feels okay right now you know yes yes um which is awesome but but yeah i want to relate that to running so let me ask you this when you're running are you normally listening to music or are you uh you know going completely quiet or what how are you handling that 
So it's usually surprised people when I say this, but I don't listen to anything at all when I when I run. Um, I don't listen to music. I have had seasons of where I've been listening to music, which has been cool because like I'll um, jump on like one artist that I really like, and then for that like the couple weeks that's the only person i'll listen to yeah and so if i'm traveling like that artist is burned into my head and every time i hear them i think of wherever i was uh one person was a guy named um or it's actually a production duo called tennyson it's t-e-n-n-y-s-o-n uh, i think there's two ends and they're just it's just instrumental but it is bonkers <laughs> like it's so pleasant but it's extremely theatrical and it's um it's so good and when i was in london that's the only like that's all i listened to and i had these new like wireless earbuds and i would run because i was training for the marathon and i would run and i would play tennyson every single time that i was running and so there have been times where i have and it's been fun because they have like a great kind of a backdrop music sound yeah but typically i just don't i don't listen to music at all yeah is it just because that's your moment to kind of step aside from it because you know music's your career also yeah and so you probably Maybe. listen to songs and hear it in kind of a different way than kind of the rest of us the non-musically inclined i'm pointing <laughs> at myself <laughs> yeah that's i think that's part of it um I think that's part of it for, for sure. Sometimes I listen to, if I get really bored and I'm out there for like, if it's like, like when I was training for the 50 and I, I did a 30 mile run. And so like when I got really bored, <laughs> I put on, um, I put on like, uh, like Jocko, you know who yeah, that yeah, is? Yeah. yeah, Jocko Willing. So, yeah. Yeah. So I like started listening to him like podcast stuff. So yeah. I'll listen to books or podcasts, uh, but most of the time it's nothing. And honestly, a lot of that is for safety issues. Yeah. So a lot of that is like, if I'm running on the road where cars are, I'm not going to be having anything in my ears because I need to be aware of what's going on around me and the cars around me. Um, and if I'm running, and then if I'm running in a area that uh, isn't super populated, like I'm go I'm not going to have anything in my ears because people could sneak up on you you know god forbid yeah, yeah um they wanted to and 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 you're vulnerable in that area so i'll have headphones i guess in like at the gym or if it's like a track where there's like a ton of people around you know those kind of areas but people need to think about that um especially women yeah uh when they're running they really need to they need to to think about if they're in a really super safe environment before they put headphones in, you know? Yeah, 100%, man. I, I've always had this kind of like fantasy of mine where a mountain lion's gonna appear in front of me on the trail. And I'm like, oh my God, what do I do? I don't have anything to like battle this mountain lion. And then I take my earphones out and I put them in the mountain lion's ears and I like turn up Van Halen like in Back to the Future. And now all of a sudden the mountain lion's freaked out and like runs away or something. Wow. Yeah. Just that, that, that short story took so many turns in my head. <laughs> First I was like, I was, you were like, I have, I have this, like this kind of like 
fantasy dream thing where like a mountain pops out and in my head i'm like oh got it already and then you fight it to the death with your bare hands <laughs> and then you're like and then i take my headphones out and I'm like oh i didn't see that coming i guess you're gonna like strangle it with your headphones or like what are you gonna do with that and then i put it in its ears i'm like yeah. oh and then, and I was thinking like, oh, well, we're far, this far out. I maybe he's just going to say then the like Mount Lion will love the music and be cool. Just but it'll freak out. out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you know that happened? Yeah. Like uh, not any of those, that ridiculousness, but there was a guy probably like in Fort Collins. So like 45 minutes north of here, an hour north and a mountain lion attacked him and he had to fight it with his bare hands last year. I did hear about that. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. And yeah. it's 25 different people from all walks of life in my life texted me. Are you okay? Was that, was that you with the mountain lion? And I'm like, oh. no. Yeah. It was nuts, man. It was like people from my parents, which made sense to like people I hadn't talked to since high school. It's so weird that they'd all just assume it was you. Yeah, no. I'm like, oh, is that, that's the message I'm putting out there is that, you know, trail runner, Colorado, it must be Chris. <laughs> Yeah, seriously, because there's only one or two trail runners. And <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Well, let's get into, uh, you know, post Marine Corps Marathon. So, you know, what what happened? Because I know I've messaged you a few times about the 50 miler and the last time we talked and stuff. Um, and you were like, yeah, I just have not been able to get out and get the training that I want in. Yeah. So I never really was able to that's the crazy thing is I never I actually had a consistent amount of running for like two and a half weeks before the 50 like I was out of commission like I from the marathon I couldn't run for about a month and a half and when I mean I couldn't run like if I started to jog everything would hurt and it'd feel just like the last like five miles of the marathon. Jeez. And I mean, I couldn't, and I was actually scared. I was like, shoot, did I just, did I give, did I make some like permanent damage? Like, did I push so too hard? Cause I pushed like, I pushed really, really, really hard in the marathon. Um, and so I was like, oh, oh, I think I, I think I broke myself. Um, but for, for about two months, like after a month and a half, I could, I could do like recovery runs. Like okay. I could do two miles float off. So it wasn't, and that was, let's see, the Marine Corps is October 27th. Yeah. yeah. And then um, the 50 was February 6th or sorry, February 8th. And so um, I, I think I only had like January. That's crazy. And even then, man. like, all the traveling for new years and stuff and i got back and was still hurting although i could run through it yeah i didn't really get to my like running training like i want to and like actual plan until maybe two maybe three weeks before the race started that's crazy man so how how often i mean did the thought ever come in like hey we are not going to be like and by we i mean you did you ever think like i'm not gonna be able to do this like I need to to call him up and be like, hey, I need to, like, you know, I'm not going to be able to make it to the race. Like, did that ever come right. in your mind? Yeah, it, the idea came into my mind. And then anytime those ideas come, I just think, 
the option of not doing something because it's going to be hard. Yeah. Is it? I just I combat that so viciously. So, but this this idea definitely sunk sunk in a lot deeper and went past a lot of the like walls that I you know like so if I'm running and I'm like I was gonna do ten miles but I'm at seven and I'm tired this might be good that that thought doesn't get very far at all yeah you know but with this I was it 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 crossed a lot of thresholds like well maybe this actually is wise and and you know I'm because I did it and then I immediately went on tour so I scheduled a tour around this race so I did the race February eighth and my first my and I had a a gig the next morning <laughs> so like at a church like speaking and singing at a church the next morning like an hour and a half away and i was like well maybe it'll be best like da, da, da. but at the end of the day the only reason i was saying i wasn't going to do it was because it was going to be hard and that just wasn't it's just not going to be a reason for me in my life to not do it yeah to not do something but i definitely thought about it but i i was just like oh you're just not going to do it you're just going to wuss out is that what you're going to do? You're just not going to do it because it's hard. And it's just like, no, there's no way I can do that. <laughs> I love that perspective, man. Well, it was interesting. Like I was following your uh, running Instagram account, the Clark Beckham run and uh, seeing you go out for some training runs. I always just, I, I liked your perspective because you would just do it with a smile on your face and be like, Hey, this is going to be weird. I haven't ran for a while. Let's see how this goes. Yeah. 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 And sometimes like they're not often, but maybe one in 10 runs when I was training, I did not want to do at all. Yeah. Like I dreaded it, but you just got to get those done too. And sometimes I had a good run. Sometimes I had a bad run and I was slow and discouraged. Like I was in way shape for the marathon than I was for this 50 mile run. Yeah. Way better shape before the marathon. Cause I trained like really hard and really consistent consistently and had a killer diet for six months straight like no slacking at all and i was doing like 10 mile recovery runs like 10 mile runs like to just stretch my legs and just felt fine afterwards like no pain just like cool that was that was nice and comfy and then before the 50 i would do a 10 mile run and be like whew that was that was a lot yeah so was, i was in i was in way better shape for the marathon than for the 50. i think people who have never done an ultra hear that and their minds are blown but a lot of people who've participated in ultras are like yeah that makes sense yep and i get that now <laughs> i'm one of those people now that would go like yeah yeah i get i get how you can do that which is silly but i get it <laughs> yeah so what was your long so you mentioned like a 30 mile training run and you know having that on the calendar and having to get up for that like how often was it the runs you didn't want to do once you got going you felt okay about it or you know like sometimes the motivation is the hardest part is just to put on the shoes and open the door and get going yeah yeah i've i've heard someone say uh, um the first mile is a lie and i just think that's so good however you spin it whether that's you going in the first mile and you feel like a million bucks yeah that first mile is a lie you're not necessarily going to feel like that the whole time 
I've literally in my head run the run in the first mile and been like, oh my gosh, I'm in I'm in great shape. Like I think I could run this, and I think I'm gonna be great. For, I think I could. I think I've gotten faster. And literally, and I'm like, you idiot, you're half a mile in. <laughs> like this is not the time. And then I've all, also on the other side, I've started to run, and the first mile's been miserable. And then it just kicks in, gets better. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've. The long runs, like the crazy, like my longest run I've ever done in training was 30 mile run. That's nuts, man. That, that 30. And, um, and I broke it up into three 10 mile things. Yeah. Because my understanding for the Rocky was going to be, I thought it was going to be three. No. Yeah. I thought it was going to be three laps equals 50 but it's it's not like that i don't know where i got that information but that's what i was trying to simulate yeah so i did three like 10 mile runs and for those stuff like that kind of stuff that's all i'm thinking about for the week and it's like i'm gonna take this on it's gonna be a challenge and so those i'm always up for and i always have a pretty positive attitude for them yeah and i'm excited about them. it's the ones that sneak in so yeah. then like the two or three mile recovery runs like that's those are fun too because i'm like oh sweet this will be easy but it's like the little like seven mile runs or eight mile runs that just sneak in and i'm not thinking about and i'm just going through my day i'm like oh crap i gotta go run and then it's seven or eight miles and then i'm not mentally there those yeah. those are the ones that'll be way more difficult mentally that is true man like the race days or even the long run days you're like excited for you know those are the uh, ones all week you're like yeah i'm pumped for this but you're right it's just the waking up on like a random tuesday or in the middle of a work day like you said just being like what am i like oh man now i gotta go <laughs> yeah yeah and it's you know seven miles might not feel a lot but it's you know um for me that's that's an hour yeah. 20. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, I, that's a long time. Like, I'll, and I won't feel like a long run cause it isn't in perspective of like long training runs and stuff. But I'll tell, you know, I'll be with my fiance, um, Chainley and I'm like, Hey, I got to go for a run real quick. And seven mile doesn't seem like that much to me. And she's like, oh, okay. Like when will we be back? I was like, well, I got to drive to the greenway and probably gonna be like hour 40. Yeah. She's like, that's like the whole time we have together. I'm like, crap. Yeah. Like that gets tough sometimes. Yeah. Does she run at all? She doesn't, but I think I believe she will. <laughs> she, when I did the Marine Corps marathon, she came with me and yeah. made friends with everybody. I met her. She was and, so uh, oh, yeah, sweet course, and so course, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there she's like, I think I'm going to do the, is it the 10 K that they do? Yeah. yeah. She's like, I think I'm going to do the 10K next year. And she was like, I'm going to start training and da, da, da. And I'm like, yes. And everyone was like championing her, championing her for that. And then I think that, I think that dream has faded fast. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, it's there though. The potential's there. The, you know, the, 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 this fire to, is there to be to be made I think. yeah like the, when you when someone sees the end of a race especially one like the marine corps marathon which is it, like indescribable really um the seed is planted for sure and and in their minds they're like i think i could do this too which they totally could you know that's right yeah that's so, right 
So how did you feel after your, that was your first ultra technically, right? A 30 mile training run. Oh, the 30 mile. Yeah. 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 yeah I, how'd you feel? You know, I, felt, I didn't feel that bad. I took it really slow. Yeah. And, um, I took pretty big breaks. I probably took breaks that were way too long. Um, I mean, I took like 30 minute breaks and just ate a ton of food That's in between. The best. Yeah. Um, uh, I felt pretty good. Uh, mile 24, I think was some of the most, was my first taste at what it's like to run in absolute misery. <laughs> so I, so the last 10 miles, um, had to be on a treadmill and the first three miles of that was fine. And then the last seven or six miles. And I was like, is it the treadmill? Is it something I ate? Like, what is happening? It was absolute misery on this treadmill. And I was like, I thought treadmills were supposed to be easier to run on. And it was miserable. That was the most miserable part was, and you're running inside. Gross. Yeah. It's like, you're just looking at a wall and the TV was on like some Showtime channel or something and i with i don't know i was that was that was miserable um and then afterwards i did something really stupid that actually wrecked me for about 24 hours right after that 30 mile run i came back and was like all right i need to like i was i realized like there's no way i can eat enough you know to replenish all that i was like but the most important thing i need right now is is like protein so i went home and i wasn't i didn't i know better now but i should have been having like hydrolyzed protein or something like that the whole day yeah that would have been ideal um or some amino acids like stuff like that but i didn't i didn't i just had carbs pretty much all day which is you know fine too and then um i got home and made a protein shake on a relatively empty stomach that had been running, you know, and so all the blood goes away from your stomach. So it's not as like ready to digest food or handle things. Yeah. And I made a protein shake and I have, I put MCT oil in my protein shakes. I think I see where this is going. (laughs) (laughs) And I always have. And, um, it says like two, two tablespoons or two teaspoons or something like that is like, the suggested dose and always i'd just like i don't know just put a good squirt in yeah i can think that about and that's what i'd always do um but i realized it usually wasn't on an empty stomach and it certainly wasn't after a run like this so i put the um mct oil in and i was like shoot i i just need a lot of everything so i like <laughs> let it go and i was just like <laughs> and i probably put in eight ta- eight tablespoons oh worth. <laughs> like four times the amount uh, yeah and because i idiot i thought the mct oil was just like coconut oil in the way that it's like butter or or um olive oil or just something that you could technically have an infinite amount of and you'd be okay like not thinking that it was something that was this sensitive and then i had that with milk and uh, protein 
and I drank it. 30 minutes later, I like hit the floor and these crazy stomach pains and had like the most like just miserable gastrointestinal pain I've ever experienced for about 12 to 16 hours. So I didn't sleep. Like I kept waking up and like going to the bathroom trying to throw up, trying to like go number two, like <laughs> try and do something. And I was just stuck. My stomach was bloated out like crazy. And I was just, it was, it was one of the most like miserable experiences when it comes to like sickness that I've ever felt before. Welcome, like, it was welcome really... to ultra running, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was a good good initiation, you know. Uh, Yep, (laughs) lessons learned, dude. Um, Yes. (laughs) So you got that training run. How many more weeks later was Rocky Raccoon? Like two. Okay. Stomach. When I started to train, yeah, yeah. When I started to train, I was like, okay, I'm in a place I can train now. I just went to like as if I'd already been training for all this time. So I just went on like, like my recovery runs were like seven or eight miles. And then everything else was in between 10 to 20. And then the long run was 30. So I just went super hard, like immediately. Um, And honestly, I, I, I was okay physically about, you know, with that, but that was just like two weeks. And then, so I did that and then I just, I did one week of like hard running and then two weeks of tapering. (laughs) And that was like, that was it. Yeah, man. Well, you know, like really they, I can't remember. There's some famous quote about it being all mental, you know, but a lot of ultra running is being able to mentally push yourself forward, you know, and obviously physically you want to be prepared, but at the same time, you're kind of like, I don't know, I'm going to go through pain. Like I know that that's part of this sport. And, you know, so if your mindset is there, you can, you can push through quite a bit. Yeah, I learned the, the thing that shocked me about ultra marathons and shocks everyone I talk to about it when I tell them what I did is I say, what do you think the general demographic is? Yeah. And they're like, I ask them like general demographic, um, age, uh, body type and uh, gender. What do you think? Everyone says like, um, I don't know, uh, mid to late 20s. Um, or 20s, then uh, men, like guys. Yeah. I was like, yeah. literally the opposite. Yeah. So I've only done one ultra, and the Rocky Raccoon 50 that I did, 80% of the field was above 40 years old. Exactly, yeah. And most of the people I saw were middle-aged women. Like, for me, at this race... The literal opposite of what people think the demographic is. And it and that's the case because it all it really is about is how good are you at running through pain. And that's really it. And who in the world has more pain tolerance than mothers? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like that's why they're the ones like out there doing these I was running with this lady at the very beginning. And she was she she looked 
this is total judgment because I don't know her. I don't know anything about her. But she looked to be um, in her 40s, maybe 50s. And she was short and stocky, a little heavier set. And we were, and she was, everybody's running together at the beginning. And I was just hearing her talk to friends. And she was like, um, she's like, my goal is, my goal is, uh, I can't remember exactly what she said, but I think she said, um, I think she's, yeah, 12 hours. She's like, my goal is 12 hours for 50. She's like, that's what I'm going to run. And I'd already done the math. And that was, about you know you know what i think she said 10 he's like my goal is 10 hours and i already done the math and i already had my goal and i was in my head i'm like you're crazy like there's no way you're gonna make that like there's no way you're gonna make it in 10 uh you probably won't make it in 12 like i'm gonna see her later you know like one of those (laughs) stupid arrogant um mindsets and um she got, she went past me and I never saw her again. Like she, and I never even saw her on the loop backs. Like she went out in front of me and she went way out and never came back. So I bet she did make the 10 hour thing, but that's the thing. It's really about pain management. That's really like what the ultra thing is about is yeah. in my extremely, um, small amount of experience. Yeah. Well, I've dude, I've had the same exact experience where, you see someone earlier on the race and you're like the arrogant side of you and the ego side of you is like, Oh man, I'm going to like, I'm going to destroy this person. And then at like mile 40, they pass you and they look like they're doing just fine. And you're like in a world of hurt and it just destroy, like, it's so good for the soul in my opinion, because I'm like, it's, it's good to recognize that, that kind of like, just poor thought process in yourself, you know? Yes, 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 yes. And I and think, like that, like Oh on yeah. The, on the... Yeah. And I think like, uh, not only pain management, but patience and consistency, those are something that I think you'd find in a lot of, you know, uh, very experienced ultra runners too, you know, like obviously pain management is huge and not even management, but like just being like, Hey, I'm in pain. Here we go. Um, I heard an interview a couple weeks ago with Courtney DeWalter, who's like yeah. the goat of ultra running, like complete, awesome, badass, you know? Um, and she was talking about visualization and she visualizes the pain cave but she actually visualizes a cave. And every time she gets to that point where she's in the pain cave, she just visualizes herself like chipping away at it and digging even deeper and deeper inside of it. And I just thought that was such a cool, a cool like mental trick to go into, you know? That's interesting. Not, not chipping away at it to like make it go away, but chipping at it to go deeper. Yeah. That's why she's, so <laughs> um, but yeah, man. So what was it like? What was the whole experience like? Um, what's Rocky raccoon as a race? Uh, and also did you pick it because it is musical, right? Wasn't there a Beatles song called Rocky raccoon? Thank you so much for knowing that reference. Believe it or not, no one at the race that I talked to is even aware. <laughs> really? I was so disappointed. Cause I'd like, be jogging and be like Rocky Raccoon stepped into his room and they kind of be like looking around and everybody be like why is this dude why is this what's happening and I was like <laughs> Beatles like at, at aid stations I'm like you guys know that song and they're like no what is that like did you just make that up like running the race I'm like no 
Paul McCartney, jerks. Like, come on. Um, it. So, no, I, I picked the race because of the date, and I knew that um, I tore in, da- in, in, in Texas, so I knew that that could be a good starting point for the tour. Yeah. Also, I heard it was a good first one. It's relatively flat. Which I, again, inexperienced, think like, oh, the flatter, the easier, which is not necessarily the case. The flatter, the faster, but faster doesn't mean easier either. No, no way. So so that, I learned that um, too, but I picked it that for that reason. I, stupid of me. Again, just beginning and not knowing. I just tried to look for the races that had the fastest, like where all the records have been broken. (laughs) And I was like, great, that'll be the fastest, so it'll be the easiest. And so that's what I would do, which is not the case. Um, It's extremely rooty. Like roots are everywhere. And at the pre-race like talk or whatever, the, the guy said two things that I thought were really interesting and funny. One, he said, um, talking about wildlife, he said, the squirrels are unbelievably aggressive. It's like, so don't mess with them. I was like, oh my, the squirrels. Okay, noted. <laughs> and second, he said, um, he said, raise your hand if you're running the race. And then everybody, all the racers ran, raised their hands. And he says, everyone with their hands raised will fall. They will trip. Everyone with their hands raised will trip and fall. And I remember being like, Psh. I ain't gonna trip and fall. Not me. Like, I'm can, not gonna trip. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna not, destroy these squirrels too. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I'm gonna be killing squirrels and jumping on roofs. So. <laughs> and um, and I, I was like, yeah, right. I'm not gonna fall. I tripped. I only fell to the ground once. Um, and it wasn't even on a root. It was stupid. <laughs> I was running and I was my legs were so tired. There's a wooden ramp that would like go up and then you'd run above the trail a little bit on this wooden path. And it just went up and I saw it the whole time and I was just running. And then when I ran and was going up it, my legs just decided to not do it. And I literally just fell on my face, (laughs) like went up the hill and my legs like, no. And I just like collapsed. So that was the only time I fell. So I didn't trip and fall. I just literally (laughs) like thought that my exertion would be the same if I ran up this wooden like ramp and my leg and I literally just took it way too fast and it just literally like <laughs> almost like hitting a wall um but uh oh, I lost train of thought oh yeah but I tripped like on a route I lost count at 20 oh my god and I was counting I yeah. think I probably tripped 30 or 40 times like hard trips where I had to like sprint to catch myself from falling. Well, and then like, you have like the whole, like you flex your back to try to stay upright, but in the yeah. middle, which is no big deal normally, but when you're, you know, 40 miles in all of a sudden, that's the most pain, painful thing in the world. Yeah. And it just kind of for, like your adrenaline kicks in, which actually helped. So sometimes I would trip and I think it'd be beneficial just because the adrenaline would pump in. Yeah. I'd kind of, and my legs would get that would be forced to stretch out a little bit um, in running, but it was yeah. I, a lot of people fell. Like I'd be in the beginning, like it. I'd be running, and all of a sudden, I just hear like a sound of 
like a giant sack of potatoes just hitting the ground. Like I just hear, I just hear, oh, boom. Oh. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, are you okay? Are you okay? And he's like, oh. and everybody's always okay. Like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Um, but there, people fell like a lot. People trip. And it's not the roots that are, it's not the really rooty areas. Like it's not when it's like, oh my gosh, look at this crazy terrain. Like when it got more technical, you wouldn't trip on those because your eyes were focused. Like you would look down. But it was when it like flattened out and looked pretty easy. Yeah. And you just look to the side like you just looked away um at you know the beauty of the nature that's when you just eat it yeah i try to tell my students at school because i try to describe trail running to them and i don't know if they get it but i basically am talking about like to me it's the thing that like brings me back to the present moment and it clears my mind because in the moments where i start worrying about something or dwelling on a thought i'm not paying attention to where my feet are going and i will legitimately trip onto my face and it's a whole it's a whole lesson to me like hey maybe you shouldn't be thinking about that right now maybe you should just take this moment to completely clear your mind and it's one of the first things honestly that i fell in love with trail running about because i'm like oh i needed that i totally need that yeah yeah Yeah, i I totally agree. And it's always rocks that are like this big. Yes. It's like the tiniest one you don't see. Yes. You're right. <laughs> that's, yes, that's exactly what that's exactly what happened. And it got to a point where I was like, you really just if you look up, you trip. Yeah. Like if you look to the side, you're going to you're going to trip unless you look to the side and immediately start doing crazy high knees or something <laughs> like you're going to you're going to trip. And so one thing that I didn't I didn't see coming was I literally had to stare at the ground for the entire race. So I start we started at 6 a.m. and I ended I was second to last of the finishers, <laughs> like which I'm fine with. Like I finished, that's all I care about. Yeah. But I started at 6 a.m. The cutoff was 9 p.m. and I finished at 8:39. Wow. Was that ever in your mind? Like, did that put some pressure on you? Like cutting it so close? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was doing the math pretty good the whole time. So I knew I was just right. Um, and at the end I took some, I took some long breaks at the aid station because I was just in so much pain. I was like, I wonder if it'll help. Like if I just really take this time to eat and stop. And I think it did help in the pain, but it, obviously my time went way back. But I didn't really care about finishing fast. I just cared about finishing before yeah. the cutoff. And so I, so, but for that entire, like, 14 hour, whatever it was, that entire time, I was literally staring at the ground, moving, moving underneath me for 14, 15 hours. Like, that's all I was doing. It was just staring at the ground. So much so that when I would stop, you ever played? Have you ever played Guitar Hero? Yeah. Or yeah, rock band or anything. So you know when you would play, especially if you'd play like on expert or something, and it, and the notes would be moving like this, and you'd just be staring at that for like three minutes, four minutes. Yeah. Right when it would stop, like you'd look around and everything looked like it was sinking into the ground. <laughs> yeah. That would happen for me is when I'd stop running, I would stop at an aid station and the tables would look like they were just sinking into the ground like going down so my that was trippy but what really hit me is 
when I finally finished and then ugh, I finished and then had to get in a car and drive for about an hour and 45 minutes to get to where I was staying. And it, but when I, all that was said and done, like finally got to the host home showered, which took a long time. Um, and got in bed and closed my eyes. Guess what? The only thing I could see was the like trail dirt running yeah. underneath me. I'd close my eyes and immediately I would see the trail just going underneath me. And, um, then I would close my eyes and as I would drift, like almost to sleep, like half asleep, half awake, where you're kind of in a dream state still, I would just have like little miniature nightmares of the stuff the of the trail going underneath me and then me tripping. And so it was like a falling dream. Like I would just have these little miniature nightmares of tripping and then I would like jostle myself awake <laughs> and the fear and the adrenaline rush that I experienced probably 40 times that day would all rush back. And it was like, and I couldn't, it took me about, believe it or not, after all that and not having a lot of sleep the night before, it took me maybe 30, 40 minutes to fall asleep because I just kept jostling myself. I did that maybe 20 times. Like just would just kept doing that and just thinking that I was falling and get scared again. <laughs> so it, that was, I didn't think about that, but that the tripping even then had an effect even that night. Yeah. I've done that too. I've had that same, you're about to fall asleep and imagining trail running. And then all of a sudden you jolt yourself awake. <laughs> oh, awful. and it put me back in that fear state too yeah yeah because when i would trip i was so weak i was so vulnerable like anytime i tripped i'm my head i was thinking i'm gonna fall now like i'm gonna hit the ground hard because i don't have the muscle capacity to like brace myself or to really keep and then all that adrenaline would come in and i would i keep myself but that same fear just kept coming and coming and coming even as i was trying to go to sleep yeah, it's crazy, man. When did you start feeling bad in a 50-miler? Um, first 10 miles felt good. Um, I remember the first four miles, like to the first aid station, was like literally felt like I walked 100 yards. Like yeah. was the easiest four miles I've ever run in my whole life, which alludes to the fact that when you have when you have to go to the grocery store and it's a ten minute drive, and you're yeah. like, oh my god, I don't want to drive ten minutes. But you have to drive like three or four states, like you have a ten hour drive and you sit down in the car. First ten minutes feels like seconds. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's the exact same thing. But anyway, um, first ten miles felt good. After that ten miles, I started to feel a little pain. I started to feel some pain, but it wasn't really bad. It was just the feeling of tightness and stuff. And then at mile 20, I was already like in more pain than I'd experienced before running. And I was like, oh, wow. I'm at mile 20 and I'm already like in more pain than I felt before while running. And then from mile 25 on, it was just all the way in the pain cave. <laughs> and I never came out. Physically, mentally, like my attitude swung quite a bit, actually. Yeah. So there was one part where I did the math and I did it wrong. Like I took off a couple hours in my head, like I wasn't giving myself the full time. 
And I was like, wait a minute. In order to make the cutoff time, I've got to do what I just did exactly. And I was only like 15 miles, 20 miles in. It's like, oh no, yeah. I might not make it, but I can't stop at aid stations. So I like had this moment where I was doing voice memos with Chanley, my fiance, like the whole race and talking to her randomly. And she would send voice memos back um, to encourage me and stuff. And I remember telling her in one voice memo, um, I just realized, like, I can't really stop at aid stations anymore. And this was at, like, 15 <laughs> miles in. I was like, I don't have time. I just can't. I can't stop at aid stations. And I'm going to have to go the whole time and not stop. And I'm going to have to, I'm not, like, and I was, at that point, I hadn't walked at all for the first, like, 25 miles. And so at 15, I hadn't walked at all. And I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be able to walk. I'm not going to be able to stop at aid stations. And, and if I need to make the time, I can't stop. And then she said in a message back, which is the most, she said a lot of things that were really motivating. But the thing that motivated me the most and like shut it down, I was like, I'll run 100 if I need to. Like just change the whole game. And she said, well, listen, like if you can't do it, that's okay. Like if you can't finish in time, like, that's okay. And I was like, oh, hell no. Like, <laughs> no way. And I, in my head, I got like, just like, who? And in my head, I was like telling myself, like, who do you think you are that you could even, to me, that you could even, that you could even entertain the thought of not making this, not making this time? Do you know who you are? Like, do you, do you realize, um, what you're capable of and oh i'm not about to it's okay if you don't make it it's absolutely not okay and and the idea that she because i realized from what i had informed her she came to the conclusion like oh he might not make it yeah which is what i told her basically and so she's like it's okay if you don't make it and when i realized that the reality of not making it was a, a real possibility in her head that she thought that i couldn't make it was like oh <laughs> oh it's over i'm gonna find that lady like i'm gonna whatever like i'm gonna beat ever i'm gonna be first place at the whole freaking race i don't even care <laughs> you like, just change sprinting everything yeah yeah, yeah. and What's... i redid them 10 miles later i was like oh i'm actually fine <laughs> she was probably like you're 18 miles in sending her voice memos and being like she was probably just like he's already losing it he's losing <laughs> his mind <laughs> i know no kidding <laughs> that's awesome man. well it's the whole like it's not just, you know, and it's funny because when it's people like our loved ones, you know, they they want what's best for us and want us to feel okay, you know. But there's also the understanding like, hey, this is an ultra marathon. Like, I'm not going to feel great in it. Someone told me recently they're like, because um, I think I was telling about my race that I'm training for and my mom is going to be in the area because it's in Iowa. And they're like, yeah, tell your mom, like, tell her, like, meet me at the end. That's cool. But halfway through, like, you're not going to want to see, you're not <laughs> going to want to see your, your baby boy struggling, you know? Yeah. Speaking of, what did your mom think of this? Oh, she hated it. <laughs> she's been so against this the whole time. Like, she's been proud, but she, like, the quintessential, like, what you're just saying, like, just wants to. Yeah. 
um, you know, wants me to be safe and comfortable, you know, and this is doing both, both of the opposite. Like I'm not being, it's safe. Like I'm being safe, but it's not comfortable. Yeah. You know, she doesn't want me to feel any pain ever, but I, yeah, she was not the whole time. She was, she keeps thinking I'm going to die. Like, remember I told you when I ran a half marathon, the first half marathon I ever ran, she literally was like, please call me the moment you finish. Like, and I could tell she thought I was literally going to die. That and was, so, no, she did not like this 50. That was my favorite part of our previous podcast. I thought that was so funny and so relatable. Cause every time I share on, on the show here, like, Hey, I saw a snake today or whatever, like the things I think is interesting. My mom's like, did you bring snake repellent or whatever? And she- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and honestly, it's not even that logical. Like, that makes sense to me. My mom is worried that I'm going to run 10 miles and just collapse dead. (laughs) Literally, she's like, because this is something that I actually get a lot. It's a misconception of me, and it actually bothers me, even though I think it's rooted in my resiliency that I have. It actually bothers me. People hear me talk, and people see the things I do, and they're like, he's just going to he's just a maniac. Like he's just going to go hard and he'll run through a wall if he has to. And he's got so much willpower and he's just going to make it happen no matter what. And they think that I'll kill myself if I have to, or they think that that doesn't have a limit. Yeah. And I take it as they think I'm this just bumbling idiot. That's just like, Oh, I'm going to run a billion miles starting now. And I'm just going to do it. Like what they don't see is the hours and hours and hours of reading and audiobooks that I've listened exactly. to and in training techniques and in stretching and in all these plans. Like they don't see that I read um, like Ben Greenfield's book about beyond training. They don't realize that I've taken like I've paid for consultations with Zach Fitter, who is, in my opinion, the best runner on the planet. Oh, yeah. They don't see like that I've taken hours of done hours of research and studying and I'm I am like I'm doing this in a smart way which is important um but I I think and that's something I think that's something that my mom doesn't quite realize or the people that are worried about me don't realize that I'm I'm being so careful and so safe and pain won't decide what I do whether I do something or don't do something but that's a limited statement Obviously, at mile 20, when I was like, I'm in more pain than I've felt before. I'm going to continue doing this 50-mile race because screw you, pain. But if I broke my leg at mile 10, like broke it in half. Yeah. Say my leg falls off. Literally, like I hit something and my leg breaks off and I have no more leg. I'm not going to be like, oh, wow, this is so painful, but I'm not going to let pain. Like, no, I'm going to go get help. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so there's a limit to this, like, pain will never stop me. Like, it's not a perfect statement. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's pain versus injury, but it's also, like, risk mitigation, you know? And taking taking risks, but doing it in a smart way, you know? And you're 100% right. Like, a lot of people, and that's why I like podcasts, um, because you can dive a little bit deeper then you know just like a instagram picture or something like that like people see the outcome which is you ran a 50 miler 
and they don't see the hours and hours. And you're like, I probably ran thousands of miles leading up to this 50 miler. Well, not necessarily in your case uh, with what you just told us, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like everything's prepared me to this moment, all my knowledge, all of my diet, all of my uh, training, and I'm prepared for this. This is what I prepared my body for, you know, and I think it's super important. And I know, um, I think if you're like, if people would go to an ultra and just see what it actually entails, they would have kind of like a better, more reasonable, like, Oh, okay. I get it now. Kind of thing. And see the people that are doing it. Cause people think it's yeah. just these like crazy, super athletes. Yeah. That's not the case. It's, it's just, just like when they see, like, people. Oh, look at, like, look at her over there. Look at this guy. Okay. Yeah. I think that guy's 70 years old. Like what? Look at, you know, when they see that, it's like, oh, this is, you know, this is, it's, there's something different about it. It's not just super athletes. It's like, you can do it. It's just really painful. Yeah. Yeah. So when you got to the pain cave and you slowed way down, I have a feeling, um, what was going through your mind in those moments to like help push you forward and help push you towards the finish line? Well, one thing that so I started feeling a lot of pain, so much pain that I was like, I'm convinced that no one else feels this pain doing this race. Like, I think that this, there's no way that these people are in as much pain as I am this fast. Like, something's different. Like, something's going on. So I started asking, like, everybody that, literally everyone I passed, everyone that passed me, and everyone that I'd, like, cross paths with on, like, loop rounds and stuff. I just asked them like, Hey, how long have you been running? Like in your life? Like yeah. how many years? How many, like how long have you been running? Everyone that I talked to, everyone I talked to said at least 10 years. I'd been running for 10 months. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh, that's why I have more pain. But, um, one of the people that I talked to that I was like really talking to and they're kind of like helped me out is, People that I found when I was in the pain cave, talking to people helps because it just gets your mind off things. But also when you realize like, oh, we're all hurting. Like everyone is hurting and everyone is feeling this crazy pain and we're all still going forward. But one thing that helped me technically is I was under the mindset of like, I'm not going to walk. I'm just not going to walk I'm, because walk is stupid and I disagree with it, which obviously will come to light when I tell you what I did soon after this thought, but I just had this thought like walking is weakness. I'm not going to walk. I'm going to run the whole time, no matter what. And then I was running up this hill about mile 25 and in just definitely in the pain cave, like just everything hurt. And I was, because it was uphill, I was running so slowly, probably like a 23 <laughs> mile pace. I yeah. mean, I was, cause I was just trying to just keep jogging and my steps were so small, I was just doing it. And then these people to my left, they passed me walking. I was like, oh, first of all, I was like, wow, that is, that hurts. Like that's a big hit to the old ego. People are passing me walking while I'm running. And then I was like, wait a second. And I looked and they were just taking big steps. I was like, I, I think I could actually move faster if I walked up hills. So I just started walking and I was walking with them. Yeah. 
and I was moving way faster when I was walking uphill than when I was running uphill. And so that was something that helped me is I was like, oh, I can, I can just, every hill I find, I'll just power walk. And that helped me stretch out my legs a little bit. Um, but I talked to them quite extensively and they would do three minutes running, one minute walking. Yeah, some people do that, that strategy. Yeah, they did that the whole race. And they finished way in front of me. It's the consistent. Well, and you change up your leg movement because I don't know if you noticed that, but like ah. after a while doing the same exact gait, it just, it's so painful. But then all of a sudden, if you can change it up every so often, it's not as bad, which is why for me personally, I, the flat courses I've ran, uh, like Marine Corps marathon, like that's been way harder for me than if there are hills, just cause it gives me an excuse to change my whole, like the steps right. I'm taking and things like that. Um, but yeah, man, that's interesting. And that's like a huge lesson, you know, in just, Hey, like I, I always think it's a lesson in patience. Like, Hey, I'm going to walk these uphills really fast, but it's going to slow my pace down, but I know in the long run, it's going to pay off. Yeah. And even in my case, it made my pace faster. Yeah. Cause I was running so <laughs> slow Even walking was faster. If yeah. I went uphill. yeah. What do you think your slowest mile was? Um, well, I had my watch and it died, um, halfway through just cause you know, yeah. Um, I think I think probably I think I ran like a 22 23 minute mile. Yeah. If you tell people that who I think that was probably Yeah. They'd be like, "What? That is that's insanely slow." And you're like, "This is what it is. Yeah. You can't like you just are exhausted by the end." Yeah, like my last 6 miles, I had two aids to there's an aid station about every 3 to 5 miles. And I had one aid station and then the finish line. And it was dark already and it was like getting close to like there were only like three people left on the trail me a lady and then an um an older guy and we're the only ones left like we're the only ones there we were just right on the back like um you know trying to make the cutoff time and everybody else had already been cut off because they didn't make the cutoff time for the aid station before so just us three um and I was like, okay, the next aid station is three miles. I'm going to pick it up. I've only got six miles left. I'm going to pick it up and try to make it. I'm trying to do a 12-minute mile um, the whole, like, for this three miles to this aid station. And that'll give me, like, an hour to make the last three miles, which is plenty of time, obviously. Yeah. So I ran um, – or it'd give me like an hour and a half to so just an ample amount of time. And so I ran that first three miles that I was like picking it up, running faster than I'd run before. And I was like looking at my clock, I'm like, my watch or my phone clock. And I was like, where is this aid station? I've been running for 45 minutes. I thought I'd hit this aid station in uh, 36, like right at 36 minutes. Like I should hit it with 12 yeah. minute miles. And I was moving that pace. I didn't hit it until like 55 minutes in. I was like, oh my gosh, I've been running faster like than I had been before, and I'm running like 20 minute, almost 20 minute miles. So for sure, I had to run like a 23 minute mile at some point in that, yeah. in that general area. 
That's amazing, man. What, uh, you know, how did it feel? So you get, you get past that aid station, you're in the last mile and you see the finish line in the distance. Like what was going through your mind at that point? There was a lady cause, cause I didn't have my watch and, uh, my phone is like on 1%. So I wasn't checking that either. Um, I didn't know where I was. I didn't know how long it was going to take to get to the next one. And I was so discouraged by my lack of, um, like time estimation on how long things will take. I was just like, I don't even, I've got the cutoffs in 25 minutes. I don't know if the finish line is a hundred yards away or a couple miles away. Like, I don't know what is happening in this last race in this last part of the race. And there was a lady with a flashlight about a quarter of a mile from the finish line. And she was there to alert like the finish line, like, Hey, we have someone coming in. And I saw her and I don't know what she was doing there. Like, I don't know why she was there. And then all of a sudden when she saw me and saw my headlamp, she like was so excited. It was like, Oh my gosh. Hi, hi. What number are you? What number are you? What number are you? I was like, Whoa, whatever number it was. And she was like, okay, all right, all right. She was so excited. And then was like on the radio, like, we've got one coming in. Like, we've got one coming in. Because everyone, like, again, I was second to last. It was just me and one other guy that made it before the cutoff time. And she's like, okay, we got one, we got one. And she's like, and she didn't tell me, like, where, like, I said, like, where am I? Like, how far, how much longer? And she said, she's like, not even a quarter of a mile. And then I started to cry. <laughs> Bro, even now telling, like talking to you about it, like I'm getting teary. Like after all of that pain and only running for 10 months and not training well for this and like going through everything I'd gone through that day. And then she was like, you are there. You are less than a quarter of a mile away. And I just started like, I just started like my eyes started to tear up and, um, my breathing pattern changed and I was like, Oh my gosh. And I crossed this road and then there's probably a stretch of 200 yards where you see the finish line in the distance. And then it's just straight for 200 yards until you cross it. And I was just emotional. And when I finally hit the, when I finally hit the finish line, um, there were maybe 34 people, 40 people there, just staff that probably had to be there. And uh, I hit it and they gave me the medal. They took off my chip or whatever around my ankle. And um, I have a video of it. My buddy was was kind of taking video when he could and I edited it together on my Instagram. Um, but I just started crying. And there, I couldn't, it wasn't like weeping per se, but it was like trying not to, like I could have if I wanted to. Yeah. It's just trying to keep it together and I just realized it's like you can do anything you want to do. And 10 months ago at this time, at that time, 10 months prior, I ran two miles and thought I was going to die. Like ran it as fast as I ran two miles as hard as I could in bad shoes with terrible form and was about to pass out. And I was like, I can't do this. And 10 months later, I just ran 50 miles in Texas. And 
I was very emotional, but it was it was like you you can do whatever you want to you whatever you want to do you can do, and they're when it's lofty like that, it's there are gonna be people around you. The majority of people around you are gonna be against it. People that love you, people that don't love you, they're just gonna be against it. People that love you because they want you to be safe and comfortable. People that don't love you because they're intimidated or they wish they were doing you know something themselves or whatever it is um but you can do it if you're smart about it and it was it was a it was a big moment that's awesome man dude you just kind of like i mean i'm sure anyone who's done any of these events can totally relate to that that feeling at the end uh i know i can like for sure um you when you're like it's finally over like (laughs) I did it, you know. Uh, that's awesome, man. I gotta ask though. The next day, you walk into your gig. What are you looking like? <laughs> yeah, let me tell you that story. So I finish the race, right? And I sit down, and I'm like dead, and and then I go to the car. I'm I'm like waddling like a penguin, literally. <laughs> like my knees aren't even moving. My knees are in the most pain. Um, than anything they just hurt so bad we get in the car it's it's probably 9 15 by the time 9 20 by the time we actually get in the car and then drive an hour and 45 minutes to dallas and then get to the host home where we're staying we get there at um we get there at like 11 o'clock 11 30 or something like that and then I find a way to get inside and then I go to take a shower, which took like 35, 40 minutes. And like, just to change clothes, like took like 20 minutes, like just to like take my sock off. Like that took so long just cause everything was in, in so much pain. I finally get to bed, whatever, get showered, get, get to bed at like one thirty. Um, in the morning and then I have to be up at uh I think I have to be I had to be up at uh six thirty in the morning to go to this church to speak and to sing at this church. Um that was like a thirty minute drive away. So I get up and I I get everything ready and I get there. And surprisingly when I get up that day, my knees are like in really like there's a lot of sharp pain in my knees, but I'm extremely sore, but not quite as sore as I thought I'd be because I don't know how you can get, I don't know how you can go from the pain I was in the night, that night to more pain the next day. Cause I was at such a high level. So it probably just stayed the same. Yeah. And then I, they like introduced me and I told the guy next to me, I was like, you're going to have to probably, um, walk me up the stairs. Cause there's like four stairs that go up to the stage. And um, they like played a video and were like, Clark Beckham, here you come. And I told the guy next to me, I was like, you're, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to help me like up and not like politely help me up, like offer a hand. Like I'm, we're gonna have to go shoulder. Like I'm gonna have to put my arm around your shoulder and you're gonna have to help me up here. <laughs> um, but I made it up and then I was just like waddling around the stage the whole time. But honestly, three days after the event, I could run again. That's awesome, man. Do did you I was think, surprised? Yeah, did you tell them? Did you point it out? Were you like, "Hey, just so you guys know, I ran fifty miles yesterday, 
and that's why I look like a penguin right now. I did. I did. I brought that. Yeah, I was because I, I told a story, and it was you know it's a great topic for what I was talking about. You know, inspirational type stuff. Um, and so yeah, I told him I was like, so I did something last night that I never done before. I ran 50 miles last night, and they're like, what? I was like, well, I and I told him I was like, started at 6 a.m., finished at 8:39 p.m. And everyone was like, wow. I was like, yeah, it was terrible. And they all <laughs> laughed. They think you're saying that. And they're, you're going to be like, yes. And it's because this is what I do. I was like, oh, it was very painful. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, I, I talked to them about it. And I even talked about it at every show. Like, I let people know. And it's actually a great topic yeah. to talk about just to let people know. Like, there are people doing these crazy things. And you can you can do it, too. And most of the time, what I tell people is, most of the time when you have a goal, the only thing in between you and that goal is something uncomfortable. Yeah. Whether it's losing weight, whether it's um, getting better grades, whether it's whatever. It's usually you just have to do something that is uncomfortable or sometimes painful. Um, and that's the only thing in your way. So it's like, and honestly with this um, like coronavirus stuff, it, took all of my jobs away like all of my income for the next three months erased yeah and it was going to be like the biggest chunk of income i was going to have all year it's erased but immediately when it happened my immediate thought was like game time what are we going to do about it yeah what are we like i see this massive obstacle i see this mountain that i have to traverse awesome looking forward to it so I've put on, I've started these, I've launched an online lesson program and a mentorship program and I'm going to do online concerts. And I'm, so it's like that mentality is directly from ultra running. Yeah. It's like when it hits the fan and everyone's like, oh no, everyone's out of work and we can't do anything. I get, ex I, a part of me gets excited for the challenge. Yeah. It's and that's straight from ultra running. It's the creative problem-solving side, you know? It's not just being upset that there is a problem, but understanding that problems are going to arise. That's just part of life. And then figuring out how to use, how to adapt to them, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, that's interesting, man. Where can people find that mentorship program? Yeah, you can email BeckhamLessons at gmail.com. But there's a video about it that goes through everything I'm talking about. It has some testimonies of people that I've taught before. Okay. Um, my Instagram, Clark Beckham. Oh, sweet, man. I'll definitely make sure to link that um, if people are interested. You know, like now's the time. I know for me, and this is going to be very embarrassing to admit to uh, an actual musician, um, but <laughs> I hadn't picked up my guitar for like two and a half years, you know? And I'm terrible. I'm not good. Trust me. Um, sure. But I picked it up. And dude, like like I said, it's been a roller coaster of emotions through this whole entire thing. But I picked up the guitar and I started just messing around with it and playing the like two songs that I know. And I felt better. You know, I'm sure my wife is like, can you learn another song, man? <laughs> I'm tired of Folsom City Blues or Folsom Prison Blues, man. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> but it's just yeah. like that's I felt better. I don't know how else to describe it. It's kind of similar to going out for a run. Um, but it's just like you. 
it just distracted me and brought me back to the moment and just got me in tune with everything, you know, and it was a heck of a lot better than scrolling through my phone and kind of, you know, freaking out about some of the news that's been going on. Well, let's, yeah, let's wrap up, man. Uh, just Clark, thank you so much for coming on the show again. Uh, I just loved hearing what, you know, I think it's important for people to share like the first time ultra experience to just bring more people in because, you know, despite the pain, despite the rough go of things, I think there's so much you, you just learn, learn through the process. So absolutely. Yeah, man. So thanks, man. Well, I would love to have you on again. I, it's almost, I always feel bad asking people about like, you just did this amazing thing. Now, what are you going to do? So I will just say, I hope you're training for something else now. You know, I hope you took some time off and got, you know, recovered from that whole thing. But like, keep training, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I, I will. I, it's, it's an obsession. It's not an obsession. It's more of just a love. Yeah. You know, like a, like a kind of a marriage to something. I, I saw, I absolutely will. Awesome, man. Well, Hey, and then one last, where can people find your, uh, running Instagram and your, uh, music Instagram and stuff like that? So for running, it's Clark Beckham run on Instagram. And then for my personal account and my music stuff, it's just Clark Beckham. And that's for everything. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, we'll have you back on at some point. Sounds great. Thank you. All right. All right, guys, there you have it. That's a wrap for number 193. Clark, you're, like I said in the intro, I just really enjoyed talking with you, man. Um, I think you're a good dude. Uh, and I hope for nothing but the best in your future running career. Um, I hope you find bigger and grander challenges, uh, (laughs) you know, and, you know, come up with some just incredible stories based off of those. Uh, You know, I, I just find so much from going out and chasing a dream, chasing a goal, Um, and going into it, knowing like, Hey, there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs and the downs might be difficult, but I know I can power through and I know I can get through it if I take it one step at a time. And I think that's something I'm learning. Uh, it's maybe like, maybe not learning. I feel like I've already learned it, but I, it's something that's cementing more over the last few weeks is, is this idea of like narrowing my focus. Um, man, I talked way, like way back in one of the very first episodes, I think it was with my cousin, Matt, uh, it might've been the very, like the fifth episode of the podcast. Um, I talked about getting peer pressured into climbing the South Maroon peak near Aspen. Uh, it's one of the Maroon bells and it's was hands down, uh, even to this day, the most intimidating mountain that I've personally climbed. And for some of you out here, out there who are probably more experienced, you're probably kind of like, you know, like that one's not too bad and stuff, which I totally get. Um, for me, it was definitely more exposed than I was used to. It was definitely looser rocks, like shittier conditions, all that stuff. Um, I mean, there's a reason I think the nickname is like the deadly bells and it's because the rock just like crumbles beneath your feet. Um, so anyways, my good buddy, Calvin peer pressured me into it. And, as we were climbing, we got to the top and I remember looking like 15 feet in front of me and I would be like, 
where in the world am I supposed to climb? Like, where am I supposed to go? Like, you couldn't tell. It was just like a sheer cliff face. And you're like, where am I supposed to go? There's like, I have no idea how I'm supposed to do this, right? But then I like would narrow my focus and I would look right down at my feet. And the step I'm supposed to take in that moment is really obvious, you know? I'm like, oh yeah, duh, I step here. And then the next step, I'm like, oh yeah, duh, I step here, I step here. And then I look up 15 feet in front of me and it looks impossible. But if I look down at my feet, then it's not only possible, but it's clear what I'm supposed to do. And I think, and eventually by doing that, obviously we made it to the top and you know, it was a crazy experience. And that was when that, that lesson just formed in my mind. But I think for everybody, if you're listening to this, when this is released and we're in the middle of this lockdown and this really hard unknown time and it's stressful and man, I've been there too. Like I've been going through ups and downs. It's been a roller coaster of emotions for me. Um, but if I narrow my focus and I think to myself, what is the best thing I can do in this moment? What is the most positive thing I can do right now? Then it's obvious, you know, the end goal is so lofty and the end goal for all of us is to find a new normal and try to make sure as many people can be safe as humanly possible. Um, and that's intimidating because it seems really far off and it might be, but in this moment, what can you do? Can you clean up your house? Can you be happy with your kid? Can you play? I, I spent the morning playing star Wars toys with my kid. Can you play star Wars toys with, with some of your kids? You know, can you text your neighbor and make sure they're doing okay? Um, you know, our neighborhood, we put some like teddy bears up in windows and stuff for the kids walking around like can we do that what can you do right now in this moment that is positive because there has to be something you know um and if you just keep doing that and you do that hour after hour day after day eventually you make it to your goal your objective the top of the mountain whatever it may be so narrow your focus um i think that's something i'm going to be trying well i've been exploring it in my own life, but with the podcast, just to let you guys know, if you've listened this far in <laughs> and we're an hour and 26 minutes in and you're still listening, you're one of the like, you know, people who are still listening. Um, I have some amazing guests coming up. Uh, obviously Clark is just incredible. Uh, next week I'm going to be talking to this guy, Gavin Hennigan, who is an adventurer. And let me tell you, it's going to blow your mind. Uh, he solo rode across the Atlantic ocean. He won the Iditarod this year. Um, he's a deep sea diver. Like that dude was just fascinating, like endlessly fascinating. Uh, and then after that, I'm talking with Cody Townsend, who's a professional skier, um, who has my favorite thing on YouTube right now. Like it's so good. Uh, it's called the 50 project. So check that out. If you're, if you're still listening, like, please just prep yourself, watch all of those. It's honestly the only thing I binge watched through this whole being, you know, stuck in your house kind of deal. Um, that and star Wars rebels with my daughter, 
anyways. <laughs> um, and then after that, I'm talking with Anna Albrecht, who won Hurt 100 this year. I mean, just, but all these people, Clark, uh, Cody, Gavin, and Anna, like they all narrowed their focus. What can I do right now in this moment to be successful? And they kept doing it and they did it over and over and over again. And then eventually they were successful. Eventually they, they reached some sort of success or some sort of lesson or some sort of outcome. So uh, I implore you guys to do that. Hopefully you're staying positive. You're staying as safe as possible. Um, we're getting through this. We'll get through it together. Um, and, you know, hopefully you're sending as much goodness and love out to the world that you can right now. So uh, we'll get back at you guys next week.